Hey everybody, Terry Welbrock here. Very excited to share the news that I have finally released the three courses through the Hope for Healing Academy. So if you visit academy.terrywellbrock.com, that's academy.terrywellbrock.com, T-E-R-I, just one R, W-E-L-L-B-R-O-C-K. And information is there. That's the landing page on all three of the courses, the one day, the 10 day, and the 30 day. And these courses are jam-packed with information on ACE science, hope science, resilience, coping skills, healing strategies. And I'm just thrilled to, to have it out there. The beta testers gave me such incredible feedback, very supportive, loved the courses. Um, so yeah, so thanks for checking them out and sharing it with others and spreading the word. I so very appreciate the support and hope that we can connect and you find, uh, you find a hand to hold with me uh, along your healing journey. So, all right, now for the show. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock. Very excited to have with me today, Dr. Sharon Grossman. I'm going to read this bio from PodMatch. So another wonderful PodMatch connection. I know I've been talking about that on air. So Dr. Sharon Grossman is the founder of the Exhausted to Extraordinary Method, a three-step method to unblock your mind, reshape your thinking, and return the joy to your work in 90 days. As a psychologist, coach, and author of the international bestseller, The 7E Solution to Burnout, Dr. Sharon works with six-figure executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals in high-stress industries who are struggling with anxiety, overwhelm, and burnout. She shares tips and strategies as a keynote speaker and on her weekly podcasts, Optimize Your Life, and the Women in Medicine Badass Radio Show. Visit her at drsharongrossman.com. So welcome, Dr. Sharon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And we were chatting it up beforehand about all the amazing stuff, one that you're doing. And uh, I'm so impressed with two podcasts. <laughs> it's a lot, but yeah. <laughs> I I feel like it's it's good work. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that, that I had said before hitting record was just how this show is growing and I'm just being inundated with requests to come on um, by people to um, really shine the light of hope. But I just think there's such a great need. So one, I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing to help guide others along their journey. Um, because it's, it's really, really needed. Yeah. I find like, especially now with COVID yeah. burnout has been exploding all over the map. Um, and what, what's so fascinating about this, for me, Terry, is that, you know, prior to COVID, people always said they wanted to work from home and they thought that was the dream. <laughs> and now that people are working from home, they are burning out in droves. And I find that so fascinating, you know, and, and it just goes to show that we don't necessarily know what is good for us all the time. Yes, I'm witnessing it. And I hear people talk about it all the time. It's almost as if they're working harder now. Yeah. Uh, without taking those lunch breaks or not taking those, those, that moment to step away from the desk. Um, yeah. yeah or sure. just because they work from home, it's everything starts to blend. So there's no end to your work day. You just work 
as long as emails are coming in and the phone's ringing and there's text messages or whatever the case may be, it's just like, it's become part of your life. So if before there was any sort of work-life balance, you would, you know, even for people who would like come home and continue to work, at least there was a change of scenery. They would leave their office. They would have to either get in their car or get on a bus or a train and get home. And then there was some sort of shift in the environment. And now that everything is the same all the time, people are just working nonstop. And I don't, I don't believe it has to be that way, but this is what I'm seeing. And I think this is what's causing so much more burnout these days. Yeah. You know, and again, it's wonderful. I have not had anybody on here yet that's touched upon burnout. So I'm again, I'm just so thrilled to have you talk about this. So what is it that, um, what is it that you offer for people? Well, you know, one of the things that I like to do first and foremost, especially on these podcasts is to help people first and foremost, understand what burnout is, because what I found through working with people is that oftentimes they don't know that they're burning out until after the fact. So people talk about burnout a lot of the time retroactively. So they'll say, oh yeah, oh, that's what it was two years ago when I was working at that job. That's what it must have been. That sounds like me, right? But as they're going through it, they don't often have that name for it. So they'll say like, oh, I'm so exhausted or I'm really stressed out or, you know, I can't do this anymore. But I think it's important, just like with anything else, because you talk about a lot of mental health issues, right? Unless we have a diagnosis for the problem, it's really hard to find a fitting solution. And so if you just tell yourself that you're exhausted, then you're just going to think that all you need to do is take some time off and then get some rest or you'll go on that vacation and everything's going to be fine, right? But what we know about burnout is that it's, it's not that easy to just like have some rest and then everything's fine, right? There's usually like something else going on. And so we need to be able to diagnose the problem. So the first thing I like to do is just first educate people on what to look out for. And once you know that, then you can seek out solutions that are fitting. So, and, and that can look different for different people because burnout manifests for different reasons. So for example, I was talking to a friend of mine over the weekend and he really is burned out because he, the way he was describing it, the culture where he works is very aggressive and it just grinds him too much. And like, he doesn't, he, he just finds it really like hellish to be there. Right. And it's, he's been there for years. So now it's really taken a toll on him because it's like this chronic thing of stress all the time and just being in the wrong place. So that's not to say that somebody else wouldn't thrive in that environment right? It's just not a good fit for him. And so in a case like that, the only thing really to do is to find a better fitting job, right? Some place where you fit in with the culture, but there are other reasons why people burn out. And so depending on what the reason is for you, then you want to find a fitting solution. And what I find that the majority of people actually struggle with is more internal than external. And the problem is that we don't usually understand this. And so we're usually looking for external solutions because we think the problem is external. So we're not really looking within. And that's kind of why I approached you because I love that you're dealing with the inner game for people, right? And it's such an important piece of the work here. Um, 
we often say it's because my job is too demanding or my boss is, you know, a stress case or because, you know, my customers are so difficult or because it's really hard for me to do this, blah, blah, blah. And the truth of the matter is that what I've found through my experience of working with a lot of high achievers is that so much of the stress comes from within, whether it's because you're a perfectionist, whether it's because you lack confidence in your ability. And so you're, you're maybe struggling with imposter syndrome. There's all kinds of things that we bring to the table that if that's true for you, you're going to take that to the next job. So the answer is not to go to the next job. The answer is to work on yourself. And then you can actually show up to this exact same position and have a completely different experience. And so that's what I do with people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that clarification. And it brought me back to the fact when I was on your website and looking through all the work you do and so forth and in your, in your about you section, I was reading through, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so me. Like you were talking about always having ideas running through your head and always coming up, you know, with like the latest, greatest next thing to do, but never quite getting around to it. And um, yeah. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so me because and then saying imposter syndrome. And so, yeah, thank you for clarifying that it is so many times, not so much the external demands of the job, but how you're responding to those based upon where you are on your journey. So, yeah. yeah. And that's a really important distinction because then you have more power. Yeah. You know, and I think it's very disempowering to say, that it's out there because we don't have control over the things that are out there. We have control over what's going on in here. Right. And so when you are able to see it for what it is, it actually becomes good news. Yes. Right. Because right. You can make the changes, do, do the work needed to do uh, the healing, to get to that place where you can then enjoy what you're doing, enjoy your career, enjoy your job. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, so that's really important. Uh, awesome. Wonderful. So leading from that into this question, which is can taking time out for self-care improve performance? I mean, that's kind of what you were just talking about. So do you have strategies that you offer for people to, for self-care? So here's what I want to say. People will usually say, I don't have time for fill in the blank. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time for meditation. I don't have time for yoga. I don't have time to breathe. Right. And so it's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we, we have this mindset that we'll do it when we have the time, but life doesn't work that way. And so the primary thing that I like to work with people on is number one, um, just changing your mindset about your self-care because there's so much information out there on the web about all the things that you can do to take care of yourself, right? We've all heard it a hundred million times, but we're still not doing it, right? And the reason we're not doing it is because our mindset hasn't shifted around it. So we still say to ourselves like, oh, but I don't have the time. And so really it's about saying to yourself, I have, I make the time, right? So I have to do this for myself because when I do that, and and there's been like so much research that shows this, that when you actually engage in self-care, you like 
10x your results, right? Like you, you improve your performance because now you have more energy, your, your concentration goes up, you're just more, you're sharper, you're more focused, you have more motivation, like all of the things that you need to perform at a high level happen as a result of first and foremost, engaging in self-care. Yes. And I'm putting a big asterisk by that because I do it. And it is amazing how then I have the energy. It's almost as if I'm like, okay, like, thanks, Terry. You took, you, you did what you needed to do to get yourself to this place of um, tranquility and just um, joyousness by going for that bike ride, by taking those 15 minutes to turn on headspace on Netflix and do some meditation and some breathing work and whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, it really, 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 truly does make a difference in how I then approach this, the rest of my, my job, my soul work, whatever it is that I'm doing. Yeah. And if you think about it, we don't say, I don't have time to brush my teeth. I don't have time to shower. Like we just do it. Yeah. It's kind of a no brainer. We're not like, well, I don't have time. No, like we just do it. Right. You don't wake up in the morning, ask yourself, well, do I have time to brush my teeth this morning or should I just like run out the door? That would be insane, right? Like we don't have these conversations, but we do this when it comes to our mental health. We do this when it comes to our physical health. Like we just don't prioritize ourselves. And I think it says a lot about our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I say that because so many of the people that I work with are also people pleasers. So they're always looking to see what does everybody else want me to do? How can I please them? Right. And then they feel like they've compromised themselves, like they've bent over backwards and then they're left out of the equation. And it's like, well, yeah, because you're the one responsible for yourself. Nobody else is. So if you're going to like abdicate that responsibility, then no one's going to pick up the slack for you. You know, you have to do it. Like there's no other choice. It's like, if you don't do it, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to end up going to the dentist with tooth decay and toothaches and all kinds of other horrible things. Right. So it's like, no, one's going to brush your teeth for you and no one's going to meditate for you. Like you have to do it for yourself. And so it's just getting into that mindset of like, okay, I understand that this is important. I don't wait until I have time. I make the time to do the things that are important for my mental health, for my physical health. Like I do all those things first. And then, like you said, then I have the energy, then I have the motivation to do my work and I do it really well and I'm focused and I'm sharp. Yes, absolutely. And you know, what's, what's interesting is when I first started this healing journey in 2013, I literally made a spreadsheet because it's what I do. And it was, I made a spreadsheet of self-care and it was journal. Like I had a daily thing. It was, so it was like journal, mindfulness practice, um, meditation, um, nature walk, uh, exercise, walk for 30 minutes. I mean, it was just, so I had like these bullet points and I had it printed off and every day I would try to do all of them. And sometimes I would get stressed out because like, Oh, I didn't get to some of these, blah, blah, blah. but what it did, it helped it become a habitual pattern so that I was no longer having to print it off and look at it. It just like, I knew I 
needed to put these things, wanted to put these things in because I saw the difference that it was making in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And, and, you know, and I, I, I try to challenge people to do things in small bites so it doesn't become overwhelming. So for example, I was working with a client who I felt really could benefit from more being more mindful because she was very reactive and she hated herself for it. You know, she's like, I want to stop being so reactive. So I said, okay, well, you know, have you ever meditated? And she's like, yeah, but like, I can't stick with it. And it's really hard. You know, the kinds of things people always say. And I said, okay, well, what I want you to do is just sit down for five minutes every day and don't, it doesn't matter the quality of the experience, whether you're able to focus on the meditation or not, but just give yourself those five minutes, you know, and every time you do it, give yourself some version. Like we, we came up with some external way that she can credit herself. So she had this little jar on her desk and she would put little colorful gems every time she did it. And so she would have a visual representation of each sit that she did. And so at first it had to be this like visually externally uh, rewarding kind of process, but with practice, it was like the jar didn't really matter as much. It was more like, I am seeing the benefits of doing this. Like I'm actually feeling a shift. And so then that became an internal reward system for her. Right. And then it's like, oh, now I just do it because it's part of my day. As you said, it becomes a habit and it's benefiting me. So of course I'm going to continue to do this. Right. So whatever it takes for you to do it, do it. Even if it's five minutes of something, you know, and sometimes that's all we need is, is I think we become overwhelmed. You know, when people say like, oh, going to the gym, I have to pack my clothes and I have to go all the way there. I have to find parking. I have to shower. Then I'm going to come back. Like it becomes this like huge thing in your mind. But when you actually get out the door and you do it then you feel really good. And so think about what is it going to get you to get out the door to do the thing, even if it's for a couple of minutes so that then you know, it's, it's like with organizing or with anything else, people say, oh, I, I thought it was going to take me like hours, right? So you don't want to, you don't even want to start. But if you say, I'm going to put on a, a timer for 15 minutes, I'm going to organize one drawer. And then the timer goes off and either you finish the drawer by then, or you at least finished for 15 minutes. And then sometimes actually what people will do is say like, I'm so into it. I just want to keep <laughs> going, right? But if I told you at the beginning, it's going to take you half an hour, you wouldn't even start. Right. So it's like whatever just gets you going, just do that, because we need some momentum. We need to start from somewhere. Yeah. And I'm so glad you clarified the baby steps. I know when I made my spreadsheet, because I'm an overachiever, <laughs> that's why I was trying to do, you know, 15 things a day, like the meditation, the Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing, the, you know, my list of to do's, but it really, it really has become now where I'm not doing all of those things every day. Um, and it is, I mean, it is much, I think, healthier <laughs> to, um, yeah, to choose those, those one or two things to, and just try to try to make those daily habits. Yeah. yeah. And like, if you wanted to do all those things, you might do them on different days, yeah. right? So you could be like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I'm going to do my yoga on, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever it is. Right. So, um, you just have to have a system. And then you say to yourself, well, what day is it today? Oh, Tuesday, today's my yoga day. So that's, you know, it, it, at least it becomes this structured thing in your mind, as opposed to, 
oh, what should I do? Yeah. I've no, no plan. And then if you have no plan, then everything just falls to the wayside. And then you start checking email. And then the next thing you know, the whole day's gone by and you haven't done anything. Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you mentioned a few minutes ago was the word stress. And I know uh, one of the questions that I had here was the difference between stress and burnout. Um, so a lot of people will say, oh, my job stresses me out. So is there a, a pretty fine line between those two things? They're, yeah, so they're related, but they're, I would say maybe like cousins in a way. So the way I like to explain stress is it's about perception. So it's when we perceive something to, or the demands of the situation to exceed our resources, right? And that's why you can be in the same situation as somebody else, and you can see it as incredibly stressful, and they're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Right. Because if they feel like they can totally do it and it's it's not a big deal to them, then they don't feel stressed out. So it's really coming back to what you said. My job stresses me out. That is an inaccurate statement <laughs> because it's never your job that stresses you out. It's your perception of your job that stresses you out. It's the way you think about it, which is why, you know, when you gave my bio, I was talking about part of what I do is I help people really with their thought process right? I help them reshape their thinking because that's what's getting people into trouble is the way that they think about things. That's what creates the stress and the overwhelm and the burnout and all the other things. Um, So when we know how to shift our language and our thought process, all of a sudden we can be in that same situation and feel completely different. We can feel calm instead of anxious. We can feel excited. We can feel, you know, whatever it is we want to feel instead of all the things that we don't like to feel. Right. And there's a really fine connection between the thoughts that we have and the emotions that we experience. And so that's an important thing to be able to master because it really shapes the results that you create in the world. The behaviors that we engage in are resulting from our emotional state. And the emotional state is a result from our thought process. And so they're all really connected. So if you want to change your results, it's not just about changing your behavior. It's about you have to align your thoughts with all of it, right? Because it's kind of like this trickle down situation. So coming back to the idea of stress and burnout. So stress is about that perception. And we all know what that feels like. Burnout is basically chronic stress over time. So we can all basically deal with stress when it's acute. Because then it is really about just taking a vacation or taking a break, and then we can regroup. But because burnout is about chronic stress, we really have to approach it quite differently. And that requires us to really make some bigger shifts. Right. And like I said, with my friend, it might be that he has to look for a completely different job because if it's a bad cultural fit, then nothing's really going to help him in that case, other than finding something that is a better fit. But for most people, I would say um, it really is about going through some of these processes that I outline in my book that really help help you become more in control of your mental state, your emotional state, all of those things that contribute to the problem, because we said it is really internal for the most part. So um, even when your job is demanding, how can you, you know, and even that statement alone is, is a thought, 
my job is demanding as a thought, right? So how can you engage with your job on a different level? So that's one way of doing it, right? Sometimes we become overwhelmed when, as I said, we don't have confidence in our work, when we aren't managing our mind very well. And so we're easily distracted. And so things take a lot longer than they otherwise would. So a lot of it is really managing your mind. So much of this is managing how you engage. It's about how you think. It's about how you feel. So if you're not feeling confident, what can you do to increase your confidence? Like so much of that stuff makes a big difference in your experience at work. And so that's really the stuff that I, I want people to, to know how to do. And then unfortunately, Terry, they don't teach you this, right. not in school. And, you know, some jobs hopefully are, are investing in some trainings for people, but you know, a lot of this is, is not stuff that people have really come across or have been really conditioned to think like this or have been trained uh, in how to do these processes. And so um, we're doing the best we can yeah. with what we got. And sometimes that's not, that's not working. It's not enough. And so that's where I'm like trying to come in and give people some more resources and skills. I love it. Uh, my daughter is a freshman in high school, and I was so thrilled to see an email come from the principal a couple of months ago. As a matter of fact, I responded to him thanking him for, I mean, having this, but they've mm -hmm. created because of COVID um, a room in the school that, and I forget the actual name of it, so I, I won't try to guess what it is, but it's a space for students to go to if mm. and they can do some meditation they have like things that they oh, can that's awesome to. they have some yoga stuff they have so it's just this like it's like a healing space or just a calming space that they can go to I think there's puzzles in there and there's mm. some, some mindfulness stuff that they can just to bring themselves down and I said you don't understand the gift you are giving these kids. That's um, huge. I mean, truly just, even if it's not necessarily being taught to them, I mean, I would hope that eventually they'll all be taught, Hey, utilize this space because here's what it's going to do for you, <laughs> but at least it's available. So yeah, that's cool. It's beautiful. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Can you imagine if they had that in the workspace? I know. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, places have a workout facility now or they'll offer a yoga class or whatever but yeah to have a space like that would just oh my gosh just be so put headphones on and just <laughs> listen to music do puzzles like revolutionary right. really right yeah uh, back in the 90s I want to say like early 90s one of my best friends from high school we happened to be working at the same insurance company together I mean this was really was like back a long time ago and so we were um we said during breaks oh my gosh let's let's play some cards like play 500 or whatever so we would sit in the break room well then we got in trouble for gambling at work and we were like we weren't game. We were like playing cards, but they took it away from us because they were. And I just always thought that was so funny because here we were just, you know, relaxing and just it was our break time and we weren't allowed to do it. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah. And it's not like they gave you something alternative. They right. Took away right. the one 
everything you had. So yeah, and it wasn't like you know we had, we weren't gambling. There was no money involved. We were just playing a card game and engaging and um, relaxing yeah. as on our fifteen minute our fifteen minute break at that. So oh, wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I know a lot of the people who tune into the show um, have adverse childhood experiences, high ACE score. I know I myself do as well. Um, and so there's just always seems to be until the healing work is is done, this underlying current of anxiety and so forth. And um, so you talk about breaking the cycle of anxiety. What, what does that entail? Right. Well, as I said, you know, the way that we think about things often creates our anxiety. Um, a lot of my clients tend to have thinking processes where they catastrophize. So they're always thinking about the worst thing that could possibly happen. And they spend a lot of time and energy focusing on the future, which is basically what anxiety is, right? It's like not something that's happening right now, but like what might happen later and we saw that a lot with COVID where people were like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long this is going to take. And like, there's so much uncertainty. And so we are looking for certainty and we want to be able to predict the future. And when we feel like we don't have control because we don't know, then we like spin out. And so that's where we get into this fight or flight mode. And um, we're spend we're really kind of spinning our wheels. Right. And so one of the things that I work with people on when it comes to anxiety is to change how you think about things. Um, and so I'll give you an example. I did this exercise with one of my clients. Um, and this is one of the things that I teach people is he was a catastrophizer. He had a, he was incredibly successful, right? He was making so much money. He was in a very high position and every day, irregardless of that, he would show up to work and have this fear of being fired. It didn't matter that he was there for 15 years. Nothing mattered. There was no evidence that would change this for him because he had some pre-existing beliefs. And I think when you talk about adverse childhood experiences, I think that's what happens is we have this programming that comes on board from a very early age. And then we kind of like take that with us for the road for the rest of our lives. And even actually what I see with a lot of uh, people like that is they actually are able a lot of the time, especially if you're a high achiever to create amazing things for yourself, right? You're able to overcome the um, the adversity that you experienced in life, because you're so driven to create something different. You don't want to re-experience that forever. And so he was able to do that. Um, however, the mindset hadn't changed. The belief system hadn't changed. So even though you're able to create the results, you're, you're, as we said before, like, it's really important for your thought process to align. Right. And when it doesn't, that's where you're experiencing all this anxiety because you're like, yeah, but what if I lose it? What if tomorrow they're going to figure this out? And that's where like a lot of the imposter syndrome comes in. Right. And then there's like that constant fear of rejection or embarrassment, or in his case, it was uh, of being fired. And so I asked him, well, what is really the thing that you fear so much about being fired? What's so scary about that? 
And so for him, it wasn't just the being fired. It was the whole story they created around being fired. And that was that he was going to, and so we kind of took him on this journey of like, just close your eyes and tell me what you see, right? As if like, it's already happened. And so he was like, I see myself on the street corner panhandling with my two children, right? Like it went from, I'm like a millionaire and I have this very secure job that I've had for over a decade to, I am panhandling on the corner with my kids, right? Now we could rationally say that that is so incredibly unlikely that it makes no sense, but it has nothing to do with logic, right? It's all really emotional. And it comes from that deep rooted belief system that we have from our early programming. So, um, so then I said to him, okay, now I want you, I'm going to give you a minute literally like put on a timer. And I said, and I want you to continue the movie. I want you to tell me what happens next, right? One of the things, Terry, that happens is when we catastrophize is we kind of reach this climax in the movie and then the movie shuts down. It's like, we're on that street corner panhandling and that's all we see. Like, that's where the movie ends. It's like the end. And it's like, that's not where it ends. (laughs) Right. So you have to continue the movie. So I said, I want you to figure out what you're going to do next. I'm going to put on a timer. And I have to tell you, this is what he came out with. He said, and this took him actually less than a minute to figure out is that he said, it will, he said, I could probably make calls to about seven different people that would hire me on the spot for another job. And that was the end of it. Like, as soon as he realized that, (laughs) right. Then he's like, okay, well, if my worst fear is that I lose this job, then I could like have these seven people that I can call and get another job. Then I don't have to panhandle on the street with my kids. Right. Right. Like it was, it was that, it was that simple. So I think sometimes it's just like being able to shift out of this mindset that keeps us stuck in that anxiety because we're stopping the movie at that point And we're not kind of continuing the story of like, and then what would I do? Right. It's like, no, I would just be, I would just be panhandling and that's awful. That truly, and I'm not getting around and you can listen to my other 190 episodes is one of the most brilliant things I've heard on the show yet, (laughs) because I used to be that person of always catastrophic thinking. And I will still, just because of my history, will occasionally find myself going down that road. Now I have things in place that I'll stop it and redirect, but I've never gone with finishing the movie. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait. I can't wait till another (laughs) catastrophic thought (laughs) pops into my head because I really do want to try it and take it there because, oh my gosh, I love that so much. Thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so I think that, you know, what I try to do is I try to teach people powerful ways to challenge their mind, to get out of their habitual way of thinking about things because, that's what creates all this drama in our life. Yeah. Right. It's not all the things out there. It's really like all the stories that we tell ourselves, which stems from all of our beliefs and from our early childhood experiences. And um, I think it's really important work. And then people who want to go even deeper. One of the other offerings that I have is to help people really reprogram their subconscious mind so that those beliefs aren't even there dominating the movie anymore. So it's like, if you want to believe that you are 
whatever, you know, fill in the blank, like confident and that you can do whatever it is. Um, and that you won't feel, you don't want to feel anxious anymore that those beliefs have to change. And so there's, there's a way for us to, to do that work so you can have lasting results, you know? And, and I really find that that is so transformative for people. Um, even people who are skeptical about it, it's so fun to kind of see them go through it and then have results and be like, Oh my God. Cause it, what happens is so much of this is subconscious, right? We're not really fully aware of all the stories that we tell ourselves and all our belief systems, but it's there and it drives all of our results, all of our behaviors, everything. Um, when I said before that stress is about perception, we have different perceptions based on our belief systems. So that's why you and the person next to you have very different reactions to the same situation. We each have different life histories, you know, early life experiences, which through which we filter information that we're experiencing right now. So as information is coming in, we each have different filters and that's what leads us to have different interpretations, which then trickles down into, am I going to feel anxious or am I going to feel calm or excited about this, which then leads to, am I going to ruminate or am I going to go and do something? Right. Right. Um, Another example is I just got off a call with a client and she had a lot of early life experiences that were pretty traumatic. And so she's taken on this kind of victim mentality and she's the first one to admit it. You know, she'll say like, I, I know this about myself, but she feels really stuck in that. And one of the things she talks about is how she compares herself to other people. And then she feels like it's not fair. And she's jealous that they have something that she doesn't have. And then today she was telling me about this friend of hers who she really admires. And I said, well, tell me what you admire about this friend. And she said that she's so strong and she has these boundaries and Um, she's able to do all these things that she wants to do. And I'm always kind of floundering. And so we talked about like a specific situation. She was saying this friend of hers was able during COVID to get um, her kids into a pod. And so the kids were kind of out of her hair and she was able to work. Right. And she said, what was interesting is I was really jealous. She said of my friend having a pod for her kids, but Then she added, which is the most important piece, is that the friend created the pod in order for her kids to have that. And so it's not about like, I'm jealous that she has it, but it's like, go out and create it because that will help you do what you need to do, right? If you want to have that time for yourself, you have to create the circumstances and not wait for somebody to like hand it to you, right? Because it's not always going to be available, Right. And that's the difference between feeling like you're, you're a victim and being a go-getter is like, you have to think creatively and you have to take advantage of, you know, the situation rather than wait for a handout, you know, or feel jealous or feel like be passive really. Right. And so this is such important work is like working on yourself and getting to those new mindsets and believing that you can do the things. And so one of the things you know, I had her do was I said, you know, take your friend and ask yourself, what would she do in this situation? And she was able to immediately just come into a completely new way of thinking. Right. Whereas when she thinks about it from her perspective, 
she's doing it the same way she's always done it where she feels she she becomes passive she feels really jealous and all this kind of stuff and so all of a sudden she's like uh, i asked her if your friend was in your shoes what would she do what would your life look like what would she do, be doing differently and she was able to say well she would you know make time she would do this you do like she was like able to really line, delineate exactly what it would look like and so i was like you know what just for now, use her as a role model in your mind so that you can act, keep coming back to that question. What would she do? How would she handle this? And that can give you some inspiration of how to do things a little bit differently until you catch up with yourself, you know, and you're able to kind of embody that and you don't need to look outside. Like sometimes that's helpful to have that. Yeah. Another brilliant suggestion. And I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so You mentioned, I mean, these are offerings that you have. So you have an offering for guests listening to the show today to, to obtain from you as well. Right. Well, one of the things, so, you know, my book is called the seven E solution to burnout. And so for people who want to coach themselves, I like to offer the book as something that they can kind of sort through and do it themselves. But what I've also found is that sometimes with burnout, it's really hard for us to uh, find the motivation to sit and read a book and fill out the all, you know, it comes with a workbook and all this stuff. So for people who are kind of into that, I commend you and I encourage you to go forth and do that for yourself. For people who want a little bit more um, handholding or people who are maybe more visual, right? I created a seven day challenge, which is uh, my free gift to your listeners, which is basically Every day, you're going to get a really short video. It's about 10 minutes or less. And it goes through one of the seven E's in my book. And um, you have an introduction to kind of the entire system. And you have a, an exercise for the day. So every day, you're really doing a little bit of work. And so between the video and the exercise, I would say you want to give you want to plan for about 15 to 20 minutes uh, over the course of a week and really put yourself through that. If you're, if you're struggling right now, I want to offer that to you because, um, it can really jumpstart your healing process and get you more into the mindset of like what it would take for you to thrive in your current situation. So, um, I'll just share if people are interested in that it's seven day burnout and I know you said you'll uh, you'll share that link with them in the show notes so they can easily access it. So thanks. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Be sure to check show notes and um, you'll find it. And then when, if I put this out on Media Blasts, uh, I'll put that link in there as well. So awesome. wonderful. Awesome. All right. So how do people connect with you, find you? So I've made it really easy, just all in one place, one stop shop. <laughs> and that's on my website. So Dr. Sharon Grossman dot com. I've got some other free offerings on there, um, including I've got a I've got a webinar. So people who are interested in learning more about these mindset shifts to get out of burnout, that's available there as well. Um, there's a link to my book. There's a link to uh, signing up for a free consultation call with me. So all the things are from that one page. Wonderful. All right. Well, I could sit and go through all of these questions with you and that much more. So um, yeah, I'm just so glad we've been able to touch on, on some of these wonderful points. And thank you for yeah sharing your brilliant insights and beautiful light of hope. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm glad it was helpful.
Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the academy.terrywellbrock.com for the courses. But if you go to my website, terrywellbrock.com, you can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows. Um, and just a great space for, uh, again, healing and hope strategies. My daughter is a teenager and she loves Office Ladies podcast. So we've been listening to that uh, driving in the car because she just she's just learning to drive. And so she likes to drive everywhere we go and she'll turn on Office Ladies. And it's just been so awesome to listen to another podcast and uh, love listening to them talk about... Uh, yeah, their sponsorships. So I thought I'm going to start talking about what it is I, I can offer to folks. So thanks for again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right.